continues to each generation. Isn't that awesome? Let's give a hand to the Lord. He's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. And everyone said, Amen. Why don't you take a seat? Great to see you this morning. You're looking good on this cold morning. You're looking really, really good. I'm going to warm you up shortly. I'm going to get you to jump over your seat to say hello to someone. You ready for that? Oh, you are very enthusiastic about that one, aren't you? I reckon we should do that right now. Why don't we jump over our seat and say hello to someone for 30 seconds. You're very warm welcome this morning. If this is your first or second time to activate church, a very warm welcome to you. And as you leave the auditorium this morning, feel free to help yourself to a white pack at the back of the church. Uh, there you'll find a coffee card and some other details. If you want us to be in contact with you, we'd love to leave your details with us and you can enjoy a coffee or a hot drink uh, in the Crossover Cafe. So church, can we put our hands together to welcome our visitors this morning? Fantastic. Who's had a birthday, wedding anniversary of the last week? Well, come on up and help yourself to a crunchy bar, a chocolate bar. Wow, okay. Hey, Nick. Birthday? Well, congratulations, guys. Fantastic. 21. Yeah, we'll go with that. Hey, why don't we stand to our feet and declare this prayer of blessing over them this morning. So here we go. Well, shortly here we go. Here we go. Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favor, prosperity, purpose, and protection over them this year. Activate your love and goodness through each one. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed. Great. Well, some highlights to share with you. Pastor Trevor and Margaret are on Activate Church Raglan this morning. So that's good, isn't it? We'll be having a great time. Tuesday, 7.30. Guess what happens here? Prayer. It is fantastic. And last Tuesday night, we enjoyed edible art. How about that? Go to a prayer meeting and you see some artwork and you can eat it. Wow, I reckon it's a really exciting place because you just never quite know what's going to happen. So if you want an exciting journey on Tuesday, 7.30, come along to prayer gathering. It's wonderful to be gathering together. It's wonderful to pray. And it, it, it's just cool, isn't it, Tash? It's very cool. What do you like best about prayer gathering? You might never get this back. Um, <laughs> um, I just like... The power that's there when people gather together. It's, you know, the Bible says that one can send a thousand to flight, but two can send ten thousand to flight. And there's power in prayer. Awesome, yes. So, I really encourage you to come along. Guess what? School of the Spirit. 
two weeks away. Wow, who's looking forward to that? Who's looking forward to School of the Spirit in two weeks' time? You can sign up. You can sign up today in the Hub. Friday the 23rd, Saturday the 24th. It's going to be a fantastic time. Our lives are going to be changed. God is going to be at work amongst us. And our lives, our church, our families, our communities, our city is going to be impacted through God and what He's going to do. So I really encourage you to sign up. You can sign up online. You can see the Activate News for details there. Sign up at the Hub. Choose, sorry, Friday the 23rd, Saturday the 24th. And we have John Kens all the way from Australia. And uh, Daz Chettle from Christchurch is going to be an awesome time. So why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I'll see you there. I'll see you there. Wow. My favorite highlight to bring to you this morning. Do you know what this is going to be about? Okay, it's about global mandate. Global mandate. Isn't that awesome? If you look at the wall, um, one we've got two values that start with the letter B. One of them is belonging and the other is big hearted. And I want to really encourage you that as a family, we belong together in the commitment we're making in faith in, in uh, faith commitments for global mandate. And so it's a value we share together. It's not about how much you give, but it is about being together and giving together. So I want to really encourage you. So far this year, we've received 61 faith commitment cards. Isn't that awesome? At $190,000, thank you so much. Last year at this time, we received 161. So we're about 100 short from last year, and we're believing to see about 200. So I cannot encourage you, if you haven't completed your faith commitment card, today is the day, and as you leave the auditorium, you can place it into the uh, box at the auditorium doors, and that would be fantastic. So it's not about the amount, but it's about being together and being partnering with what Jesus is doing around the globe. Isn't that awesome? Fantastic. Well, it's my pleasure to invite uh, Lejana. She's going to come and share from Psalm 73. So why don't we give her a hand as she comes? Thank you very much. Good morning, everyone. If you want to read with me, it's Psalm 73 from verse 24. You guide me with your counsel leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Those who desert him will perish. For you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter. And I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do.
stand together as we continue in our worship.
is hope In your presence there's life In your presence there's healing In your presence there's grace In your presence there's forgiveness In your presence there's purity so we stand in your presence, Lord. We stand in your presence, Lord. Wash us afresh. We stand in your presence. We stand on your promises. Your promises never fail. I will never leave you or forsake you, says the Lord. I will be with you always, says the Lord. You are my treasures.
Father, I thank you that we can stand together, we can worship you this morning, that we can pour our hearts of gratitude out. And Lord, there'll be all sorts of things going on in a room this size, this many people. There'll be the good, there'll be the, the tough and everything in between. But to be able to pour our heart out to you is a great thing. told us to seek the kingdom first and everything else would come into line and in order to seek the kingdom first we must seek you the king first so this morning we turn our hearts toward you we ensure that our stance is toward you the king and we lift you up and we honour you and with the breath that is in our lungs, we give you praise. With the breath that is in our lungs, we choose to worship you. With the breath that is in our lungs, we choose to speak faith. With the breath that is in our lungs, we choose to pursue kingdom. Because you put it there. And in essence, it's your breath. Father, I lift every person who's not well to you today. Relations, husbands, wives, kids, friends. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would touch their bodies in Jesus' name. That you would pour out healing this morning in the name of Jesus. Father, if we're struggling with relationships today, I ask that you would drop the key to the solution into our spirits even now. Father, give us ears to hear if it means humbling ourselves and apologizing. I pray we embrace that as quickly as we do any other scenario.
ask, Lord, that you pour out provision where it's required. Amen. Great. Well, you're looking great. You're sounding great. This Say hello to a few more people as you sit down. Try and find someone you haven't met before. <clears throat> Have you noticed that as you guys move back, we just moved the pulpit out further? You can try, but you can't escape. Hey, um, hosts, could I ask you to do two things, actually? I've, I've arranged for you to hand out the Spirit, um, School of the Spirit forms, but also the um, faith commitment forms. If anyone needs a faith commitment form, as the host team come round, as well as saying thank you to them, that they're looking awesome and they do a fantastic job, can you, um, can you uh, just ask them for a faith promise form? Because as Pastor Ray said, it is so important that we do this as a church. And it's about being unified. It's about being on the same page with Global Mission. But I'd also like, I'm going to ask them if they can hand out the School of the Spirit uh, form. So if you want to come and do that now, that would be great. Wave if you want a faith commitment form, and um, they're going to give you a School of the Spirit form anyway. I would love for you to be at the School of the Spirit. I think it is one of those opportunities in the year that we really need to take hold of. And uh, because all of our interaction with God is through the Holy Spirit. You know that, don't you? All of our interaction with God is through the Holy Spirit. And so if we can become confident in the things of the Spirit, if we can learn to hear God's voice clearly, if we can understand what He is doing in and through us and why He has empowered us the way He is, it will absolutely change your Christian journey. And uh, I highly recommend and, and encourage you to be there. We've made it, it's only $50, or if you've, you've got more than a group of three, uh, a group of four, it's only $150. So you can't get it cheaper anywhere. I don't, no, by faith we will cover our costs with that. But what I want, I want you there. It's not about trying to make money or anything else. It's about equipping the church for the mission and the vision that is in front of us. So um, you, you really need to be there. Please fill out the form, get it in. We're only a couple of weeks away. And um, need to know who's coming. So a purposed life is an intentional life. Is that fair? A purposed life is an intentional life. Purpose, if it's one thing I have discovered, it's this. Purpose doesn't just happen. I don't just jump out of bed one day and purpose rolls out in front of me. And it was like, oh my goodness. By the way, Leilani, thank you for reading that psalm. That was beautiful the way you read it this morning. That was really, really nice. Purpose doesn't just leap off the page and say, here I am. What I've found through life so far is that when I get intentional about things, then I get purpose unfolds. I get purposed about things. And um, yeah, it's like without faith, promise, giving. Have you got a faith promise card there anyone? You have. You see, I can get one of these cards, and it can be given to me, 
and I can put it on my bench at home, and it stays there, and nothing happens to it. But I can get purposed, and I can fill the thing in, or intentional, and fill it in. Something starts to happen when I get intentional. When I get intentional, I've found that over the years, giving has been something I've needed to be very purposed in, because generosity does, does, did not, does not, has not, it does more now, thank goodness, but has not just happened like, wow, here I am, a generous person. I've had to be very intentional about it. My wife has had to be very intentional about pushing me to be more generous than what I have been in it. And this year, when the Faith Promise card comes out, I get really, really excited because I know now that I've got an opportunity to be stretched in my purpose, to be stretched in generosity, to be stretched in my intention. And Jan and I are taking it this year personally to somewhere we haven't taken it before, which I'm really, really excited about. A few years ago, I would have thought, you're dreaming, mate. You're dreaming, mate. There is no way. This year, I'm like, come on, let's do this thing. We can make it happen. And it's because intentionally over the years, I've worked at being purposed in becoming more generous. But it didn't just wait. I didn't just wake up one morning and it went, you're going to be a generous person. Go. No, no. I had to stretch my way into it, like many of us. But that's what a purposed life looks like. Living, with, uh, living a life of purpose doesn't just happen without any intention. And in today's world, I have found that there are any number of distractions to keep us from living purposed. Isn't there? Any number. I was, are there any policemen in the house? Great. I was driving to church this morning with the cell phone on the seat of the car on video with the America's Cup on. Or Louis Vuitton, whatever it was. Any number of distractions to top me being purposed about what well, I was the only fool on the road, so don't worry. But, but, but there's any number of things that could distract you. There's any number of things that could whip your feet out from underneath you when you're trying to pursue the things of God in life. And unless we're intentional, unless we're purposed and we say, right, this is my path, I'm going on it, I'm not moving off it, we will be distracted. You know, I could go home today, and if I said to my sons, shall we spend the next 24 hours doing an Xbox marathon? I bet they wouldn't say no, Dad. Would they? But is 24 hours the best, uh, playing Xbox the best use of my time? No, it's not. I'd miss an aeroplane for a start. But, no, it's not. But I've got to be purposed in what I know God's called me to and I've got to be intentional. But the, here's, here's the deal. You get to choose. I get to choose whether I live a life of purpose or not. It's totally up to me. The power is in my hands. And my hands alone. So we've, been, uh, we've had our theme purpose now for six months. So can I ask how, how your year's going? Would you describe your year as purposed? I've got a few questions to ask you. How are your relationships? Purposed? How is your career? Purposed? How is your study? Purposed? How are your finances? Purposed? How is your generosity? Purposed? 
How is your forgiveness? Purposed? How is your faith? Purposed? How is your relationship with the Father? Purposed? How is your relationship with Jesus? Purposed? How is your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Purposed? How is your Christian witness? Purposed? And the list could go on and on and on and on. And the fact of the matter is, it'll only ever be purposed if we are intentional. But what I have found is that purpose flows out of identity. When you know who you are and whose you are, then purpose will flow far more naturally. And who you are and whose you are is found in Jesus, no other place. No other place. This morning I want to have a quick look at the book of Acts. Um, I want to catch the end of what I consider to be a very significant and a very purposed life. And we're going to go to Acts chapter 6 and we're going to look at Stephen. Stephen was the first martyr. His life was cut short, some would say. Others may say that he had the fullness of days. According to what God's plan and purpose was for his life, he was certainly a purposed young man. When we start the, um, the passage here, we see the well-known passage where the apostles appoint the assistants in the church. So let's go from Acts chapter 6 and verse 1. I'll read a little bit of it, but I'm not going to read it all the way through. It's about three chapters. It says, Stephen a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. But one day, no, hang on, I started in the wrong place. Let's go back one page. Chapter 6, verse 1. But as the believer, you thought you had a different Bible to me, didn't you? I had the special one. It's just me that's special. Here we go. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. That doesn't sound like any church I've ever known. (laughs) Rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve called a meeting, the twelve apostles, of all the believers, and they said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God and not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then the apostles can spend their time, or our time, in prayer and teaching. It wasn't uncommon in this day when you needed something to be done to select a team of seven people to do it. In fact, that was quite a common way of going about things. It's also very, very interesting here, I think, that Um, It was the Greeks that had a problem, so the apostles chose seven Greeks to fix the problem, or Greek speakers to fix the problem. Interesting. Everyone liked the idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. 
So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jews, sorry, many of the Jewish priests were converted too. It's interesting. I always, uh, my ears prick up, my eyes prick up when I see a list like that written. That includes the people's names. Why did they, because, you know, they could have just said seven were chosen and carried on. But obviously they're trying to tell us something because they've listed the names. Number one, they were trying to tell us that it was seven Greek speakers that were chosen because that was important because that was the solution to the problem in this case or part of the solution. Secondly, I went and did a little bit of research on the names and Stephen, who we've already been told is full of wisdom and faith, his name means crowned. Crowned. Crowned with wisdom and faith. Crowned. Philip, his name means fond of horses. Fascinating. That's what I thought when I read that. What's that got to do? But the the symbol of a horse was all about war. When people thought horses, they thought about war. When it talks in the scriptures about Jesus being meek, people mistake that for being weak. But when it talks about being meek, the picture of meekness is a picture of a war horse that is fully um, garbed up in its war battle ready with its nostrils flaring, but power under perfect control. That's what meekness is. Prochorus literally means the leader of the chorus. It's probably a worshipper. Nicanor was a conqueror. Timon means honorable. Parmenas means abiding, or I'd say prayer. And Nicholas, a victor of the people. I would have looked at that list and said, what an admirable list of ingredients for a leadership team. Quite amazing, isn't it? Wonderful list for a leadership team right there. I also really like the fact, uh, when, when you read this, if you remember back to Exodus chapter 18, you remember that Moses had the same problem. Moses became overwhelmed and, and, and his father-in-law Jethro uh, said, what you need to do is you need to put some leaders over the people. And the qualification for the leaders back in Exodus is exactly the same as the qualification for the leaders being chosen here in Acts. People of wisdom and faith, God-fearing people. And so uh, what I really like when I read this is I don't see in any way a hierarchical picture here. What I see is people being released into their giftings, number one, and uh, people being released in such a way that it allows the overall to be effective. I love that when you go back to Exodus, he, uh, Moses was told, you know, thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. He, wasn't, he didn't say anywhere, he said, I want people of faith and people of wisdom, people on, God-honoring people. He didn't say anywhere, put the smart ones over a thousand and put the ones that are not so clued up over the ten. doesn't say that. just says break them up into their different areas. So it was the right people in the right place at the right time to do the right job. And what it brings is incredible synergy to what God is doing. What the apostles are saying here is our role is actually to be connecting with God, is to be in close relationship with God, is to get an understanding of his word, is to understand where he's taking us and what he is doing. For us to do that well, we literally don't have time to do this stuff. Not that this stuff is any less important. It's just for us to do this. We can't do this. So can we please appoint some leaders who can do this really well, which will let us do this really well? Perfect picture of 1 Corinthians, isn't it? The parts of the body at work well. 
Very easy to read it wrong. Very easy to read it as hierarchical. Very, uh, people talk about this passage being um, our first introduction to deacons. It doesn't actually say deacons anywhere. What it's talking about there is assistance, assistance to do the job. And we look back on it and we go, actually, that's the role of a deacon. But it doesn't say that at this point. It's quite interesting. This is about people being released in the right place at the right time to do the right thing. Anyway, we move on to Stephen at verse 8. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. But one day, some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Cilicia, and the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. Stephen has just been given the job of the food program. Yet he is recognized as a man who is incredibly powerful in the spirit. Signs and wonders. Amazing miracles. This guy, this guy knows what he's about. This guy is purposed. This guy is on fire for God. This guy is changing the world wherever you put them. He's going to change the world in the food program. He's going to change the world when he's talking to these um, uh, people at the, at the synagogue of freed slaves, which has a whole big undertone to that in itself, but we will not go there right now. None of them could stand against him. So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, we heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. This roused the people, the elders and the teachers of religious law. So they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. The lying witnesses said, This man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. We have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs Moses handed down to us. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel's. Don't you love that? Then the high priest asked Stephen, are these accusations true? We'll come back here in a moment. I love this. He could have gone, no. But instead he takes at least two chapters to answer the question. <clears throat> Get to 7 and verse 54. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation. And they shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the right place of honor at God's right hand. Have you ever wondered how they knew? That's what Stephen was thinking, or what, that's what he saw? I'll tell you. It says in the next verse. And he told them, look, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. That's quite good, isn't it? Then they put their hands over their ears, and they began shouting. This is a great picture. You've got the, fine, you've got the scholars. You've got the fair, You know, they're all here, and they're like, trying to block him out. It's ridiculous when you think about it. It looks more like a preschool than it does. Grown, educated men. 
And it was mean too, ladies. It was mean. I know. Then they put their hands over their ears and they began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees, shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And at that, he died. Where have you heard those kind of lines before? On the cross, yeah, come on. Just mirrored it after what? Jesus had done, hadn't he? Amazing to have the, the, was it the presence of mind or was it that his character was developed to a point that that was his natural response at that point? I'm not sure. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. One of the verses that I've often wondered about is just a couple before that. They put their hands over their heads, over their ears, and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. Now, I, the biblical evidence isn't here, but I can't help but imagine the scene myself. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, Receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with the sin. And with that he died. When I imagine the picture in my mind, as he's on his knees calling out, I imagine him eyeballing Saul. That's what I imagine. As he's calling out, Lord, don't hold this against them. Because I wonder if he had not prayed that prayer, would Saul have ever become Paul? It's just worth considering. Would Saul have ever become Paul if that prayer wasn't prayed? I don't know. Let's go back a few verses to the start of Stephen's speech. We could go all the way through his speech, but we haven't got time for that. Living a life of purpose, a purpose life, sorry, life of purpose, a purposed life. If we go to verse 2 of chapter 7. This was Stephen's reply. So the high priest asked Stephen, are, your, are these accusations true? This was Stephen's reply. Brothers and fathers, listen to me. Our glorious God appeared to our ancestor Abraham in Mesopotamia before he settled in Haran. How to live a purpose life. Take the opportunity when it's given to you. Take the opportunity, if you want to write a note, write that, how to live a purpose life. Take the opportunity when it's given to you. Stephen only had half an opportunity then, but he made a full opportunity of it. I look back through my life and I think, man, I've missed so many opportunities when they were presented to me. Or I took half an opportunity because I felt that was probably all I should push. But Stephen takes the whole opportunity. He could have said, Stephen, is there anything you want to say? He could have gone, well, this is a pointless battle. I'm in trouble here. No. Or he could have said, yep, I need to say something. Uh, yes, you guys are wrong. 
But no, no, he launches into a whole summary of the Torah. A whole summary of it. And in fact, if you want to know what the Old Testament says without reading it, read Acts chapter 7 and you get the headlines of the whole thing. It was absolutely amazing what he launched into there. I also find it quite interesting that he had such an in-depth Bible knowledge when he, has, uh, when he was a Greek-speaking Jew. Because that says something probably of his upbringing, probably says something of his history. And I go, this guy absorbed everything he could about God whenever he could to have such an incredible understanding of the Torah. Absolutely amazing. Living a purpose life, number one, take the opportunity presented to you. God told him, leave your native land. So uh, this is verse two. Then uh, this is Stephen's reply. Brothers and fathers, listen to me. Our glorious God appeared to our ancestors Abraham in Mesopotamia before he settled in Haran. God told him, leave your native land and your relatives and come into the land I will show you. So Abraham left the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran until his father died. Then God brought him here to the land where you now live. Point number two, living a purposed life. The steps into the promises of God require you leaving the familiar. The steps into the promises of God require that you leave the familiar. When God's taking you somewhere, he is always taking you somewhere that is not familiar to you. That's why it's called a journey. You might have a, if I'm, talking to people about vision, if I'm teaching vision, I say to people, you know, you'll see it in the distance, but what you see is not actually where you're going to end up. Because if you've got a really significant vision that's going to take you years to achieve, by the time you get to what you see, what you see now is irrelevant. So often God will give you an outline. And as you get closer, things get clearer, but like driving into a city from a distance, you can see the skyline, but as you get closer, the, the details start to appear. But even then, it's only the, the uh, details of the, the outside, the outskirts of the city. You haven't yet got into the city. When God's taking you on a journey, he's going to ask you to leave what is familiar, whatever that looks like for your world. Carry on to the next verse. I'll read four again. So Abraham left the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran until, the, until his father died. Then God brought him here to the land where you now live. God gave him no inheritance here, not even one square foot of land. God, uh, of, not even one square foot of land. God did promise, however, that eventually the whole land would belong to Abraham and his descendants, even though he had no children yet. Living a purpose life, point three, often the working out of God's promise looks nothing like the fruit of God's promise. Often the work that God is asking you to do now has very, very little resemblance to what the end of the promise is is going to look like, but keep going. 
Keep going. Don't give up because it doesn't look like you thought it was going to look like. Keep going. If you're holding on to a promise of God, keep going. Keep going. Too many people give up. Too many people stop and go, this is too hard. Too many people go, I didn't think it would look like this. I didn't think it would feel like this. How many of you know to get vegetables out of a garden, at some point you had to dig the dirt? Did digging the dirt look anything like sitting down with the family or whoever it was to eat a roast dinner? Nothing like that. Yet if the promise was a roast dinner, you had to start with digging the dirt. Otherwise, absolutely nothing happened. And it's so often it's like that in our lives. Where the work we're doing, you've got a sense you're going in the right direction. You've got a sense that you are doing what God's asked you to do. You've got the sense of a promise of God in your life and that you're, you're, you've got to keep walking into it. But you look at your life at the time and you go, what on earth has any of this got to do with where I'm going? What? I'll, just, you know, I'll just flag it. I'll walk away from it. And anyone who's achieved anything will tell you, keep going, keep going, keep going. Don't grow despondent. Keep going. Keep sharpening the tools. Keep sharpening your vision. Keep speaking into what it needs to be. Keep applying yourself in the direction that you've been called to apply yourself and just do what needs to be done. You go to build a house and they start by digging a whole lot of dirt. What's the story with that? That's got... I'm digging dirt. But I see this picture of a a grand house. But I'm digging dirt. I'm digging trenches. What is that? It's because if this doesn't happen, this can't stand. And if God is going to take you here, He will always start you here. And then, now I'm banging nails into bits of wood. Now I'm whatever. I'm painting. Paint on, paint off. How did that go? Karate kid. Wax on, wax off. Doesn't look anything like where I'm going. button, sorry. Three points. Living a purpose life. We might keep going through that chapter because it's just absolutely full of it. Living a purpose life. Number one, take the opportunity presented to you. Don't let it pass you by. Take the opportunity. Make the opportunity. Leap into the opportunity. Number two, step into the promises of God. Stepping into the promises of God requires you leaving the familiar. Just decide now that if you're going to pursue God, you're going to pursue the promise that He's placed in your heart, things will change. Things will change. I was sure uh, God had called Jan and I to Christchurch for our lives. I didn't think I was ever going to leave Christchurch. We settled in there. We got married there. We had our kids there. I thought, this is it. This is what God's called us to do. We've got a vision of what we're doing here, where we're going here. Next thing, bang. No, no, actually, I want to move you on. Here we are in Hamilton. Number three, often the working out of God's promise looks nothing like the fruit of the promise. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. 
Make sure that you are holding the promise of God. Make sure you are seeking the kingdom of God before it asks. Make sure you're walking closely to God with God in a purpose relationship with God and keep going. Keep going, believing that the fruit will come. I stopped on the, the verse before at the end of uh, chapter 7, I think it was, or the start of chapter 8. Let me go back there. You can hear my pages rustling. He fell on his knees, Stephen shouting, Lord, don't charge them with the sin. And with that, he died. Chapter 8, verse 1. Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. Again, if Stephen hadn't prayed that prayer, would Saul have ever been known as Paul? Would he have ever been the great apostle that we know him to be? You're sitting here. I wonder if the reason that you're sitting here today is that someone prayed. You might not even know who they are. But I wonder if the fact that you're sitting here. Now, you, you this morning, you, you may not be walking in a relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, you may not even be know, you might not even know why you're sitting here. But perhaps the reason that you are sitting here is because somebody prayed. The power of prayer is beyond words. The power of prayer is incredible. One prayer. Jan was watching last night The Jellyfish Man, Ian McCormick. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard his testimony. He was a, uh, he's a Kiwi. He got bitten by a blue, blue bottle jellyfish, I think it was. He died. Bo- box jellyfish, he died. You know, he was on the slab. He, um, he, he, he saw the whole thing going on from outside of his body. He saw his body in the morgue and everything else. But his mother was a Christian, and she prayed for him. And in the process of dying, he had this incredible God encounter. He is alive very much, and he goes around sharing his testimony. But I was listening kind of through this year while I was doing other things, and I thought, you know, the power of prayer, a praying mother. This morning, if you've got kids and you're concerned about them and they're away from God, please pray. Please pray. And keep praying. And don't go up. If you're married and your spouse is away from God, pray. Pray for them. Pray that they would encounter God. If you're looking to get married, make sure you pray for your spouse, that they have a great relationship, great God encounter. Whatever it is, pray. 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 And this morning, You may be here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. I would love to give you the opportunity as we finish this meeting to change that and to answer someone's prayer because I can guarantee someone somewhere's prayed. And maybe you've never walked in relationship with Jesus. Maybe you have, but for whatever reason, you've stepped back. Well, today there's a great opportunity for you to step forward again. Simply say, Jesus, I choose you. I thank you that you died on a cross. I thank you that all my sins were forgiven. I thank you that because of what you did on that cross, I can now be made right with God. 
and I can walk with you without any sense of shame for feeling absolutely embraced with God. That is a relationship you can have on this earth now today that will stretch into all eternity. Can I ask you to bow your heads for a moment, please? And in just a second, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. If you're saying, Jesus, I choose you today, or Jesus, today I choose to step back into a place of relationship with you. You're not lifting your hand for my sake. You're lifting your hand before God. But I'd love to acknowledge you this morning. If you know that you need to step into a relationship with Jesus, if you know that today you need to step back up to that place of relationship, in just a second, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. Father, I ask this morning that you would move the hearts of those that need to be moved. Lord, that you'd fill them with courage. That they'd place their hands, sorry, they'd place their lives into the hands of a loving, merciful, compassionate, slow to anger, beautiful God who's done everything to make it possible for us to walk with you. If you know you need to respond to Jesus, can you hold your hand up now while every head's bowed? Could be the first time ever. Could be this morning that you're saying, Jesus, today I choose to come back to you. Just let me see your hand quickly. Well, remember, living a purpose life, take the opportunities presented to you. To step into the promise of God requires leaving of the familiar. And thirdly, often the working out of God's promise looks nothing like the fruit of the promise. Have a great week. Great children, great message. Love those three points. Isn't that cool? It's good to be reminded to live a purposed life. Very, very cool. Well, I encourage you at the end of our gathering, if you would uh, have a need for prayer, come forward. We'd love to pray with you. I just want to encourage you too, if you're struggling in the area of forgiveness, maybe there's somebody that you're finding that a little bit challenging, would love to pray with you this morning in regard to that. That would be fantastic. This evening, we at our 6 p.m. gathering, we have a triple seven. Three people speaking for seven minutes and the speakers are Monique Blamberg that's going to be causing it Tim Brown and Rebecca Rogers so encourage you to come out we're going to have a wonderful time and uh, it's really really good I loved it last time when we did triple seven because they are timed to the second and if they go over seven minutes there's a bit of a noise if they go too much longer there's a really really big noise So we know it won't be a long gathering, but I can assure you it'll be a great one. So I really encourage you to come along. Thank you for being purposed in your giving. We really appreciate uh, 
your generosity in the life of the church for the purposes of God, which is wonderful. And can I encourage you again with the School of the Spirit, 23rd to 24th of June, only two weeks away. And I encourage you to come to prayer and, of course, our global mandate. So God bless you. Have an awesome day. Enjoy Crossover Cafe. And we invite you, if you haven't already, if you're new, to help yourself to a pack at the back of the church. We'd love to get to know you. So why don't we jump to our feet and uh, conclude with a song.